you know, a lot of financial experts or career experts will say, go out and do what you love, like YOLO, go make a alpaca farm or a cupcake shop or a artisanal cheese shop in Brooklyn or, you know, whatever does it for you. And I really mm. disagree with that. And I think it's much mm. better to love what you do. And I figured out how to make like the most overwhelming, least fun, least sexy topic something that I loved. Welcome to Persister with Candace Lowry. I am Candace Lowry. What is a persister? A persister is a little play on words of nevertheless she persisted, but also a woman who has truly broken through that glass ceiling and has really forged a path and a name for herself in whatever business she's in. Persister with Candace Lowry is a Castbox original produced alongside Studio 71. Castbox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Persister with Candace Lowry wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a shot because I think it's the best. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Persister. I'm Candace Lowry, and I am so excited to have Nicole Lappin here. She's a financial expert and author of Boss Bitch and Rich Bitch, a simple 12-step plan for getting your financial life together, finally. And I am really excited to have you on here, even though we are coming from opposite sides of the United States right now. <laughs> I know. I miss you. Like, I want to see you in real yeah, life, I know. please. It's kind of weird having, like, not being able to see your face. <laughs> no, but uh, you're like so close, but so far. In... I know. It's weird. Modern technology. We need lady times. Okay, next time. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think just to make me feel a little better, I want to kind of start out with a fun question of, you know, what's been a major financial mistake that you've made that was unfortunate, but it was a huge learning experience? Oh, my God. Where do you even want me to start? Um, this is what I do all the time. Like, my most favorite things to talk about are all the ways I fuck up. Wait, can I say fuck up? Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's that's what I love talking about, you know, in both of my books um, and the money school that I just launched because we don't learn this stuff in school, which is crazy. And we can talk about that as well, if you'd mm -hmm. like. And so many feelings on it. But in both of my books, I talk about all the ways I messed up, and hopefully you can laugh at me, learn from me, maybe be inspired to not do the same things. I grew up in an immigrant household, first-generation American, never read the Wall Street Journal growing up, didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth, barely had a spoon of food in my mouth growing up. Like, I was born on the bleachers, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I just needed a job, and I at 18 was offered a job on the Chicago Merck floor, which is like the stock exchange in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And they asked me at the time if I knew anything about business news. And I was like, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I love business news. And I totally was lying. <laughs> I knew nothing <laughs> about business news. I had a boyfriend in high school who said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager, and I thought he wanted to be in gardening. Wow. Yes, that happened. Okay. He, he uh, dumped <laughs> me because I couldn't hang out with his Wall Street friends which was like so hurtful and also douchey. Um, but yeah. later on, fast forward, about a decade later, I was 
on CNBC and Bloomberg and talking to like all the richest, most powerful dudes in the country. And I think his Wall Street mm. friends wanted to hang out then. So yeah, <laughs> I felt really. pretty good about that. <laughs> Little brunette like, L. Woods. for you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so, uh, you know, but- so I use that experience in really, you know, a lot of financial experts or career experts will say, go out and do what you love, like YOLO, go make a alpaca farm or a cupcake shop or a artisanal cheese shop in Brooklyn or you know, whatever does it for you. And I really Mm. disagree with that. And I think it's much Mm. better to love what you do. And I figured out how to make like the most overwhelming, least fun, least sexy topic, something that I loved. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it's been so helpful to have that perspective on things because I feel like sometimes when people start talking financial it's like my eyes just glaze over and I don't know what's happening and this kind of sounds more like a way more approachable guide and showing that it's okay to feel overwhelmed with your finances but you kind of take this approach that everything doesn't need to be solved right now yeah and nothing needs to have jargon in it you know that's I think Mm -hmm. the thing that keeps a lot of us especially women out of these conversations because it sounds like gobbledygook You know, we learned the Pythagorean theorem and how to dissect a frog and trigonometry and a bunch of bullshit Mm -hmm. in school growing up. And we don't learn how to do a business plan or a budget or taxes or anything that's actually really valuable. And yeah, it sucks and it's not fun to think about. And we'd rather do a million other things than (laughs) deal with our money. But like money is awesome. If you start changing your mindset, your finances will follow. I mean, budgeting sucks. Yes, I totally agree. But so does being (laughs) broke. And being broke actually sucks way more. And so, you know, for me, I went to this finance job that I I didn't want and mm-hmm. wasn't expecting that was ever going to be my life. And I realized that money is just a language like anything else. Mm-hmm. We just don't mm-hmm. have a Rosetta Stone for that language growing up. And so when I first started, it sounded like Chinese. But if you go to right. China and you don't speak Chinese, Candace, like you're going to be confused, <laughs> right? If you go to this Wall so Street true, and you don't speak the language of money, you are going to be confused. And so... <laughs> Yeah, fast forward, I not only figured out, of course, how to speak the language, but then I spoke it to the world. And uh, and now I'm teaching other people how to do it because I wish I had this type of information in like a normal, accessible way, like the way you and I are talking, swearing, all the things. And when right. talking about money, it just didn't exist. And so I was talking to a bunch of old, rich, white dudes about money on the financial networks. It's like not editorializing. I mean, you could look at the Nielsen ratings. It was true. It was like, totally. And I was like, these folks do not need me. They don't need me to tell them what the Dow is doing up and down. They don't need me to like, you know, help them make more money. But who does need me is my former self, that girl who was smiling and nodding, who got dumped by a dude because she couldn't talk them talk of money and who didn't join conversations because she was too scared and too freaked out. Like I wanted to talk to her in Mm -hmm. this way that hadn't been done before. And it was really nuts to me when I started looking at the marketplace and like what a void and what a white space there was for having this type of conversation about like what you said, the aforementioned super scary financy talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want to get into, you know, more about how you advise women and girls who are my age and kind of just getting started with their finances. And one of the things 
I think that was terrifying to me was taxes. And I know that a lot of um, millennials especially are doing per diem or a lot of contract work out there. And I think once you get all of these papers at the end of the year, you're like, oh, my God, what do I do? Have I taken out the right amount of taxes? Am I screwed? And so I'm wondering if you have any advice for someone who is more contract work related and they kind of get overwhelmed with all these different um, paperwork and invoices at the end of the year. And you said you're uh, 28. Yeah. 26. 26. Oh, my God, sister. I'm like old. I'm like the old lady. I'm like the no. elder millennial. Like, what, what is that? Eliza Schlesinger with her thing. Like, get them oh around my God. the Snapchat. <laughs> like, oh my God. An old millennial. Yeah. I am totally like the elder millennial. I'm technically a millennial. I just found this out recently. I was on some list of like, you know, whatever fancy list about it. Uh, You know, the most blah, 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 uh, millennials. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute. I don't care about this accolade, but like, I'm a millennial? This is you awesome. You made it. I made it, girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm 34. Um, I was born in 1984, and I'm like a thousand years older than you. Um, okay, but I'm here to help. I'm here to help the younger millennials with their Snapchat filters and everything. Um, okay, taxes. Let's get back to business. Um, yeah, taxes suck. I think the best way to approach taxes is not to feel overwhelmed. So the first time I did my taxes... I like blocked off on my calendar all Saturday, which sounds like the worst <laughs> Saturday ever. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna deal with all these scary papers. I'm gonna deal with all these receipts, which like I don't know which ones I need to save or don't save. I'll just save all of them. And I'll like figure out the software stuff and I'll get it all done. And today is the day, and that is like my boot camp day. And you know what happened at the end of that day? We're in the middle of that day. I was on the couch with a pint of haagen and a bottle of wine. And I was like, fuck <laughs> this. I don't know. Oh, you were ready my for taxes. the Lord to take you. Oh, my God. I was like, this is the worst. And so instead, I broke it down into baby steps. So my books are 12-step plans. The money school is a 12-step um, school. And the first step is admitting you have a problem. That's why I do it. Um because we all have problems. I have more issues than Vogue. I still do. Um, but also because I like to break things down that feel really overwhelming into little steps. So instead, come up with like little goals around taxes. Like, I don't, what is the, mm. what is the, um, cliche thing like how to eat the elephant or something like I'm vegan so I don't know what it's called but it's like how to eat that you know what I mean and so it's like take it in little baby steps so you know day one all you should do maybe not on a Saturday like get out and do other things yeah, really. on a Saturday but you know is to uncrinkle the receipts like that's it mm. just uncrinkle the receipts and then the next mm -hmm. day just put those receipts into little piles like that's all you have to do and when you think of it that way you're like oh yeah I can do that and so mm -hmm. it just makes it more palatable it's like you are changing your mindset and your finances will follow I truly believe that I truly believe that you know like unlike uh, fitness experts who say think thin to be thin. I think that's bullshit. Like, get your butt to the gym if that's what you want. And yeah, like, I mean, I think it all the time and nothing And nothing happen happens to me, me either. Um, but with money, it's actually different. Like, actually, your mind matters a lot. And the way you approach 
your money conversation with yourself makes all the difference. So when you come to Mm. finances from a place of deprivation versus aspiration, that's not awesome. So it's like a regular diet. If you allow yourself small indulgences, you won't end up binging later on. So I argue Mm. actually for the morning latte. There are a lot of financy people that say, don't buy the latte. It's so expensive. You're going to save thousands of dollars every year and reach (laughs) financial freedom. And I'm like, hold on, buy the latte. And also they say, like, buy a house, don't buy a latte. I'm like, that's crazy. Buy a latte, rent a house. The financial (laughs) gods are not going to come and beat you up. And also you're allowing yourself some of that happiness and some of those indulgences like you would in a in a normal, regular eating plan instead of a crash diet like Adkins thing or grapefruit, whatever. You know, that's not going to be sustainable. So allow yourself Mm -hmm. the equivalent of a financial Hershey's kiss in a regular diet so you don't end up noshing on a big old hunk of chocolate cake in the middle of the night because you're so hungry and so deprived. So like when mm. people tell me in the m- beginning of the year, hey, Nicole, I cut out the morning latte. You would be so proud of me. I'm like, no, because you know what's going to happen in a few months? You're going to buy a Gucci purse because you were so hungry and so deprived and not treating yourself. Instead, you should have just bought a latte every fucking day and not bought that damn Gucci purse. You know what I mean? Yeah, because at the end you'll be like, well, I technically did save a thousand dollars, so let me just go blow this on something. Right, it's your money, <laughs> and that's what taxes right. too. It's like your money. You you know, it's not free money. By the way, when you get it back, it's your money coming back to you. Depending on the structure, I know you know you had brought up freelancers, and there's a you know a ton of different ways you can do it. Um, but mm-hmm. even when you're thinking about getting that refund, it's your hard-earned money. Like you should fight for it. Right, right, exactly. And I think, you know, going off of your money, you know, my parents have ingrained in me that I should always max out my 401k every year if I can, and that I really need to devote that money to the future. Um, Even though I'm pretty young, I think it's hard for me sometimes to be okay with, I don't want to say throwing away, but investing that money that I'm not going to see for a really long time. Um, but you know, in terms of companies that don't necessarily offer 401k matching or 401k programs, do you have any recommendation for how people can still save that money for the future? Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, so the 401k is like the darling of the retirement community. Everybody thinks that's the only one. Like she is not the only girl at the party. There are a (laughs) lot of other retirement options, uh, for everybody. There are IRAs, which is individual retirement accounts. And what's great about those is that you can just get them by going to the bank. And no matter where you go, you take that with you. The limits are not very big. I think they just increased to about $6,000 a year. So that's the max that you can put in. But Mm. you get to take it with you wherever you go. And the difference between a Roth and a traditional IRA, I know it sounds like an STD and like really scary, but all it means <laughs> is that the Roth, you pay taxes on that now versus taxes on it later. So like with a 401k mm. or anything, you're paying um, at, at any of those types of retirement accounts, I should say, you're going to pay taxes on it when you are old and take it out. Um, it's not just the amount that shows up in the statement, like it, you are going to have to pay taxes on it. Uh, So the reason that I like paying taxes now, you're probably like, I don't want to pay more taxes, Nicole. Uh, I get that. Uh, Neither do I. Um, But you're in a probably you're going to be in a higher tax bracket if you're betting on yourself and you're going to crush your career. You're going to be maybe making more money, which puts you in a higher tax bracket, which makes 
you pay more taxes. And oh, I think taxes sneaky. are going to go up. Yeah, obviously. I mean, there's only one direction they're going. So I think, you know, to get the taxes done, like the Roth option is a really good option. There are different Roth mm. options um, as well for other retirement accounts that you're even if you are at an employer, you should ask them what other options there are. Uh, and if you have a company like I do and you do, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have an S Corp and, you know, me and my employees or my you're the BuzzFeed lady. My employees and I, I, yeah, my employees and I, <laughs> I'm like, did I learn this in journalism school? Um, we have a SEP. So a SEP is an option for people that have their own business, which is a fancy IRA. So there are SEPs, there are simples, there are all sorts of lovely other options as well. Mm, perfect. And I think that that's really helpful for people to know that there are options out there. And I think that we are going to take a really quick break and I want to get into a little more advice um, selfishly for me (laughs) to learn about really what's in store for you in the future. Thank you everyone for listening and I just wanted to remind you all to rate, review, and subscribe to Persister with me because it's very helpful in spreading the word and um, getting the show out there. So I just wanted to thank you all again for listening and let's get back into it. Welcome back to Persister. I'm still here with Nicole across the country. (laughs) And I think my next question here is I'm very curious to know what are the most common mistakes that you see young people make, especially young female entrepreneurs? So when people tell me they blew their budget, I think it's I'm like, first of all, did you even have a budget? So I think coming up with a spending plan, we talked about it before the break, um, mm-hmm. is really important to stay on track. And I break down an easy peasy spending plan into the three E's, essentials, endgame, and extras. And so for your overall spending plan, 70% of what you're making should go to the essentials. So the essentials are everything you need to live on every single day, your housing, your transportation, your food, all that jazz. 15% Mm. should go to the extras. So like what we were talking about before, the latte, the mani-pedi. If you don't like lattes, like the latte is not the point. You mean the necessities. Yeah, right? (laughs) The extras that need to be essentials. Um, Yeah, so just, you know, limit yourself to whatever that is. Maybe if you're just starting out budgeting, take the fun money out in cash. And when the cash is done, the party's over because, you know, often that fun time happens when there's like alcohol time and it's easy to swipe, swipe, swipe and like Mm -hmm. think it's free money. It's not. Um, And then 15 percent to the end game, which is your future self. And we talked about that before. That is retirement, savings, investing, all that stuff. So So I think coming up with a plan, you can't you can't mess up a plan that you don't come up with. So make a plan first. Right. So if someone has a lot of debt from college and they're also having to pay that off, does that fall under the 70 percent or do you kind of put that in its own little place? That's in the 70%. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to get the debt monkey off our back before we do anything else, especially if it's credit card debt. Credit card debt is the worst. It really snowballs I know. super it's out of control. It's very easy to get, too. 
Yeah, I got myself into a boatload of debt when I first started. Um, As an immigrant's daughter, I didn't know anything about stocks, bonds, any of that stuff. And I was like in a cash only family. And that sounds Mm -hmm. pretty cool until, you know, I didn't have I had to pay for a check with a check um, at dinner with my girlfriend. So I didn't feel that cool. Um, But, you know, getting into debt was like not the way I grew up. And um, I went crazy when I got my first credit card, uh, like a lot of people do. And so I was making like no money. I got myself into $5,000 of credit card debt. And I got myself out of it by also breaking it down into steps and realizing that you have to prioritize to pulverize your debt Mm -hmm. and that not all debt is created equal. And so I was still at the time saving cash under my sink in a safe because like that's what I knew. (laughs) And I was just paying the minimum off on my credit card. That was totally screwing myself because that interest was getting out of control. And so you got to get that in check before getting Mm. into like an emergency fund and all that fun stuff. And, you know, it typically goes by highest interest rate first is what you should pay off. So if you get magically $100 or if you find $100 on the street and you say, Candace and Nicole, I am going to pay down my debt. I have a bill on my desk that is for $100 magically. uh, And it's for a student loan, um, you know, whatever debt. And so... Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay that. I'm going to cut it up. It's going to feel really cathartic. Awesome. No, that is not the best plan because if you have credit card debt, that credit card uh, interest rate is going to be way higher. So it typically goes credit cards, then car loans because cars are depreciating assets. So you don't want a loan on them. And then Mm -hmm. mortgages and student debt. So student debt is at the bottom because, you know, if we're being real, they can take away your house. They can take away your car. They can't take away your brain. Right. Exactly. And I think that's sometimes really hard to acknowledge sometimes. (laughs) But in terms of credit cards, is there I think when there's so many options out there, are there specific guidelines that you want to look for when finding a good credit card that applies to you? Or is it kind of like a general guide can apply to everyone? Not really. It it really depends on, you know, if you travel and if you want those rewards, as long as you're paying it off and you're getting good credit. Um, you also want to keep the amount that you're spending on your credit card to maybe like 10 percent, 20 percent of your overall limit. You want a mm. low utilization score, which is a fancy way to say, like, if you have $10,000 of a limit, try to not max it out. And the lower, the better. That's better for your credit score. So if you're only, you know, using $2,000 a month or something like that. Oh, and, okay. Because I didn't know that. Yeah. You want to have you want to have more allowable credit and less usage um, for your overall credit score, which is basically your financial report card. So mm-hmm. you want to really care about that. You know, as far as credit card goes, I, I think they're awesome for a lot of reasons. You know, again, if you are getting them under control and paying them off, you have protection for all sorts of stuff. Um, and so that's really great that you can't get with a debit card, you know, that you have fraud right. protection, you have, you know, protection if you get screwed by some purchase, uh, you have all sorts of other insurances. So I, you know, I think if you don't have your financial shit together right now and you can't 
um, you don't qualify for a credit card, you can get a secured credit card, which is kind of a good training wheels baby step to get it. Mm. And that just means that you're backing that with cash. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, your credit score, I think I'm always looking at it and I'm always like scared of it. And if somebody is in a situation where they've just screwed themselves over and they see their credit score and it's really bad, what, how long do you think the recovery process should take or does typically take to kind of get back and bounce back to that higher credit score? It really depends. It, you know, you can't blame yourself for stuff that you've done in the past. You can only move forward. The reason you should look at it, and yes, I know it's scary. And the first times I got my credit reports, I like didn't open them for weeks. Yeah. I was like, I don't even like want to, to open this envelope. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then I opened them and I dealt with it because I found that there were actually mistakes on there. Um, I was charged mm. from like a... Uh, I don't know, a doctor in Texas. And at the time, I'd never been to Texas. And um, so I called the doctor's office and I was like, yo, this was not me. So fix this. And so that was easier to go through them than to go through Equifax or Experian or whatever. Um, and so some of the some of the times you have mistakes on there. So you want to look at it and it could be like an innocent mistake, um, but nobody's going to correct it unless you look your destiny in the eye. And for getting it back on track to get back to your question. Sorry, I just bumped the mm-hmm. mic. I'm causing so much trouble here. <laughs> You're not no. here to <laughs> rein me in, Candace. <laughs> um, you know, I think the biggest uh, percentage of your credit score is determined by paying your bills on time. So it sounds super, you know, patronizing, but paying your bills on time is really, really important. Um, there are a lot of, you know, hacks that you can think about to to set yourself up for success there, auto pay and all of that. Um, that really screws you the most. Uh, that utilization thing also matters. Um, and not cutting up your credit cards because people think, oh, I just want, you know, a better credit score. So I'm just going to cut them all up and go cold turkey. It's like, well, then call me when you need a credit card. And that also doesn't work um, because it doesn't show good payment history. So instead of cutting it up, I would suggest to put one recurring bill on it. So if you have it open, just put your cable bill or your cell phone bill or something that you know Mm. you have to pay on that card. So it's alive. It's open. You're showing good payment history. Oh, interesting. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of like keeping all of these mental notes right now. (laughs) Um, But I think another question that I have, too, is when you do save up money. So I had a a good amount of cash saved and I was considering talking to a financial advisor to put it in the stock market. But I think that I'm really nervous to, first of all, put my trust into someone else with my money, but also put it into the stock market that I don't really know that much about. So is there a way that you can still invest without having to be like a stock market master? Totally. A lot of people get super intimidated and super overwhelmed as well. You know, I I don't think you should be picking stocks. Uh, That's not, you know, a game you want to play. You also want to really keep your blinders on. So if you do get into the investing world, you don't want to mm-hmm. look at the ups and downs and you need to take a Valium to do that. And you're looking at right. the long game. I know you probably have been told this, but 
Think about um, mutual funds, ETFs, index funds. Index funds are great because, okay, an index is the Dow. So you hear about mm-hmm. the Dow, right? So the Dow mm-hmm. is a combination of the 30 most powerful companies. Um, the NASDAQ is an index. Uh, it's really tech heavy. Um, the S&P 500 is the 500 you know, uh, companies, and it's a smattering of a lot of really big companies. So those are indexes. You can buy an mm-hmm. index fund that basically tracks those indexes. So you're essentially buying a piece of all of the stocks that are in that index, and that's probably the best way to go. Mm. And so when you get, you know, stock options, for example, like working at Microsoft, you're granted <laughs> stock. Do you know anybody who does that? What? For a friend, <laughs> well, you're asking, right? Well, where I work right now, so I because I'm working at Microsoft right now, yeah, and we're granted stock, and right. I'm like, great, but I have no idea what to do with this. Just leave you it, you know. Just leave it. So do you? You just leave it there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. it's Microsoft stock. Just leave it. Just I'm like, let it grow. I'm like, I have this, but I don't know what to do with yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it probably will vest. Does it? Does your? Do you have a contract? Yes. And it doesn't vest after a certain period of time? Yeah. So like after 12 months, you can become vested. And then I don't know what anything means after that. So <laughs> just then leave I'm just it. like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it. Just <laughs> wait for the 12 months. So vested is just a fancy way to be like, you can touch it. You can do things with it. Um, you can sell it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think just leave that. You you can sell it if you need it after a year. Um, right. But my suggestion is just let it chill for a while. (laughs) And then I think leaning towards the end a little bit here, I was reading about the fact that you suggest having money for an emergency. And this is something that my parents have always taught me to have at least a couple months of money that you can use if you get laid off or if anything horrible happens, God forbid. But I saw that you mentioned around six months to hold on to. I mean, listen, the more the better. If you're a freelancer, six to nine months, nine months to a year would be awesome um, because Mm -hmm. your income is precarious. If you have pretty consistent income and you have a regular job, uh, then, you know, maybe a little bit less. But you can't go to the grocery store with your mortgage. You can't, if God forbid something happens, um, you know, you get sick, you're partner gets sick, like you lose your job, you get fired, whatever. Like shit happens all the time. And Mm -hmm. so you need to have the basic expenses saved up so you can live. It's not, you know, the extras necessarily, but it's all the essentials that you're going to need. And so that you need to have first before thinking about investing and all that. Before buying a ton of lattes. (laughs) Yeah. Get that out of control. And I think finally, one of the questions I have for you that I think can apply to anyone listening is, you know, you talk about taking everything step by step, like you mentioned with taxes. It's horrible to think like, ugh, I got to spend this whole Saturday doing this huge, horrible thing. But in terms of just everyday benefits you can make to your financial stability, what is one simple step that you know, even listeners right now can make today towards their financial future? I would say negotiate your bills. People think you can't negotiate them. Um, I love negotiating all the things. Uh, Yeah, I I read that you mentioned this and I was like, what? You can negotiate like your cable bill and stuff? Wait, you haven't done that? No. Why not? 
I can we do that now? That. Can, Mark, can we patch in the cable company? Let me talk to them, Candace. Let me chat with you them. Can do that. You can totally do that. You can also negotiate the APR on your credit card. Did you know that? What? So how do you do that? Do you, you just call, call them? Me, like, you say, what's in? up? Can I have a lower rate? Basically. Yeah. I mean, I have in the money school um, that I have at themoneyschool.com. Um, you know, there are lessons on there that I show you. I also have done a video where I like have the uh, cable company on speakerphone so you can hear it. I've done it for Dr. Oz, for Rachel Ray. Like I've negotiated a lot of people's debt and got it way lower. I actually did a segment where I was like a Cyrano type person in this woman's ear when she went to the cell phone store. So I was telling her what to say. Um, and yeah, you all all you have to do is ask. They will throw you a bone versus losing you as a customer. You can use all sorts of tactics. You can ask for a manager. You can say you're leaving. Your friend got a better rate. Um, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. What did Wayne Gretzky say? It was like, you miss 100% of the chances you don't take. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so medical debt, which is the largest debt in collections, uh, your credit card APR, like even if you have debt on it, that's why you should also if, you know, God forbid you're dealing with creditors and that's a really scary thing, too. You have to talk to them. Like, I know. Put your big girl undies on and talk to them because you can negotiate a settlement and that is much better to do. Same thing with like medical debt. Just call and argue. Yeah, I promise oh my God, you'll I get more money. This. this is like free money, sister. <laughs> you do it now. If we're not doing this together, when when we're done, which I don't want to leave you, because I already have separation anxiety, but you need to get <laughs> no, I'm going like, to send you a video of me negotiating. Yes. Can you do that? We'll do that next yeah, time you're in town. I'll help, if you yeah. want, I'll hold your hand. But you're a big girl, and like I think you can... Do it. And I'm telling you, like, they will give you you can ask for all sorts of stuff. I mean, when you're negotiating, this is a whole other podcast. But like when you're negotiating your salary, too, you have to think of a, a money option, a perks option and a combination option. So perks for when you're negotiating your salary and stuff like that would be, you know, working from home on a Friday, getting your cell phone bill paid for um, stuff that's like more benefitsy, um, and a cash option. So it's the same thing with these companies. Ask for a bigger package without paying for it if they're not going to give you money off. Ask for like a bigger plan or an international thing. Like just ask. Yeah. I negotiate okay. all the things. I'm going to have to do that. As sport. <laughs> it's fun. Well, okay, great. I have a plan moving forward right now. And so <laughs> Great. I'm so I can't believe it's already been 30 minutes. Like, this is insane. Like, listen, I know. And you were going into this being like, oh, this bitch, 30 minutes with finance. How am I going to get through that? I have to take intro to finance. Oh, Um, my God. (laughs) But so before I go and call every cable company I know and Internet, um, where can people find you? Well, I'm here in your studio, so come and find (laughs) me right now. Um, Or you can find me as at at Nicole Lappin on the okay. Instagram and the other things. <laughs> on the um, gram. And yes, and I'm uh, really excited to have launched a school. Like I'm the least likely person to be a finance expert, much less like launch a fucking school. Like so take that take my class. It's the moneyschool.com. Um, it's video modules, quizzes, worksheets, a whole community that you can ask for help with. So I tried to rethink 
you know, conventional education because we don't learn this stuff in school. And so that's no excuse for burying your head in the sand. You have to take charge. Even if we didn't learn it, you know, it's incumbent on you to continue lifelong learning and teach yourself. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. I really want to have you again and we can do some fun calls. (laughs) Yeah. Should we do that? Yeah. Mark, what do you think? He's endorsing it. Two thumbs up from Mark. I think it's it. It's happening. Great. All right. Well, um, thank you everyone for listening. And I strongly suggest you go check out Nicole. And I guess we'll see you next time. Hey, bye, sister. Bye. Bye.